Thank you for subscribing to Podcast One Premium. There's something about TrueCar a lot of people don't know. Using TrueCar can also help you buy a used car. In fact, there are over 500,000 pre-owned vehicles available from TrueCar certified dealers nationwide. Whether you are looking to buy a new car or a used car, you can get upfront pricing, information that empowers you, discounts off the list price for used cars, and a better buying experience throughout TrueCar certified dealer network. There are over 500,000 pre-owned vehicles available from the True Car Certified Dealers nationwide. You'll see what other people paid for the car that you want so you can know if you are getting a fair price and feel confident when buying. With True Car, you can connect with a local certified dealer of your choosing so you can enjoy a quick and easy buying experience. Using the True Car website or the True Car app, you could easily find a new or used car and the one that you would like to have. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit TrueCar.com or download the TrueCar app to enjoy a better car buying experience. Some features are not available in all states. Do you know what this is? It's stimulating, mind-expanding, the in thing. It's the hula hoop of the jet generation. Podcast1.com presents celebs, pop culture, fashion. No one gets to tell me not to curse. Oh, and some of that, too. This is Brandy Glanville Unfiltered. Now, here's Brandy Glanville. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Brandy Glanville Unfiltered. I'm sitting here with the gorgeous Bobby Thomas from, you probably know her from the Today Show, and she's a celebrity stylist and a blogger, and she has a, she's an author. You kind of do it all. It's been a long career. Yes. <laughs> yeah, no, which is very, amazing very in proud this town. Of that badge. Yeah. And she's gorgeous, which is uh, annoying. Well, I spent two and a half hours getting ready to come talk to you. Oh, no. <laughs> um, oh, I feel very special. No, I mean, you know, I feel privileged to have some of those titles associated, but I just kind of prefer professional girlfriend. So oh, at the end of the really day, sweet. I'm a pro girl, and I think you are too. And it's really exciting to come and talk to you and hopefully other awesome women listening. Yes. Because that's really what it's all about. So it, it is. As women, and girls, I feel like we need to lift each other up and stop bringing each other down. And I, I, yeah. I just, I can't get my head around like the haters that want it. Like, listen, we're all in this together. We mm-hmm. all, you know, we are moms, we are sisters, we are, you know, we're, this is who we are. Yeah. Um, and women, women we understand that. Yeah. We understand that uniquely. So you'd want to support other women instead of compete with them. Right. And that's really the definition of being a professional girlfriend. And yeah, I like it. This week in general, I'm trying to support my pro girls by further sharing my story. Um, my story is pretty long, like most of us, but um, there is a special part of it in my recent, you know, three or four years that I've put myself out there um, in terms of fertility and infertility right. specifically. Now you you are you know going and, and talking about your struggles with IVF and I think that's a conversation that hasn't been talked about enough and I have girlfriends that have spent over a hundred thousand dollars and years trying and it still hasn't yeah. happened but it is something that they don't we don't talk about at lunches yeah you know it's kind of like hush hush you know did it work this time did it you know and I feel like there's some people think that they should be ashamed or it's like there's something wrong with it. And when I was watching your video on the Today Show, I was like, mm-hmm. oh my God, this is so great that you're starting this conversation. So tell us what made you want to do that. 
Well, thank you. I found myself, like many of us, uh, whispering in the hallways. I had, when you start undergoing infertility treatments, it's really intense. And you have to go to the doctor on an almost daily basis. And at certain parts of your cycle, it's daily. You have to do shots three times a day. And it's not for the faint of heart. So I had colleagues asking me, are you okay? You know, I know, you know, because you mentioned. before they knew what was going on. This is before I had made public, you know, because people are sort of curious. You're going to the doctor a lot. And then I had weight gain. And somebody on Facebook said, is that a burrito in your belly or a baby? And to be really honest, I kind of for a second went, oh my gosh, it's flattering in one way that somebody's taking note of your appearance. Because here I am every week on TV looking to sort of engage with people. And I just said, that's it. No more whispers. I am sick of trying to, you know, balance this personal issue, explain this away. As women, we have to wear that out there. And so I just addressed it. And I was really fortunate because Kathy Lee and Hoda are these amazing women who said, go for it. And so I just said on air, I want to thank the viewers who have really taken note of my appearance. And I didn't, was not offended. I I wanted them to know I wished it was a baby in my belly, but... You know, this brings up such a bigger conversation. Like the hor- the hormones make you can cause you to gain weight. Is that it's an individual thing for right. me personally? Whatever it was about my body, you know, uh, whether it was adjusting my diet, it could have been a number of variables. But I did have weight gain. That kind of was an obvious visual that people could sort yeah. of say what's going on. But I, I think for me, taking a step back outside of my personal situation. It was the frustration that why are we whispering? Right. And from at 40 years old, sitting in a doctor's office and the realization that I had less than an 8% chance of having a baby, I was devastated. And I thought to myself, and I could almost cry thinking about it, why didn't somebody say something about this before? Why don't people talk about this? It was infuriating because when you start learning about the facts and not just the fiction that floats around, it's your sister's cousin's brother's girlfriend, you know, happened to her. And you're so thirsty for information that you're going to grab onto that. Or you Google something and you get on one random blog that somebody who's not a doctor. Which is not a good idea. Never Google it. I mean, you can Google things, but medical things, I always feel like if I have a a bug bite, I Google it and I'm dying. Yeah. So yeah, we have to be careful with that. You know, it's really about collecting this information. And I was flooded instantly. I was with this amazing fertility doctor. My friend who was in her 20s had an appointment with her for, with this fertility doctor because she had an issue. And I was told by a general physician, don't worry about it. You know, come talk to me like in a year or so, whatever. And I had already been asking the questions in that appointment because I had sensed that something was off. Now, what, how old were you when you when you started to think about this? Like, So really, my late 30s, okay. I had been engaged and living with my husband, um, you know, who's now my husband, and realized, you know, something was kind of off. When right. we got married, it really intensified. You know, here I was focused on my career. Because everyone's asking you, so well, you're married now, when are you going to have a baby? Sort of. I mean, it happened kind of quickly. I, like most women who were working girls in my 30s, was just super focused right. and thought, oh my gosh, you know, the kids, no they just seem yeah. too exhausting. I don't have time for it. And by the time I sort of said okay to him, it was a bit, that was a huge commitment to walk down the aisle at 39, I was like scared to death. I found myself, you know, with him saying, let's start a family. And there was this like pit of my stomach that was sick because I I kind of felt like, I don't know if that's possible. You you see celebrities out there that are having babies in their 40s and you think, okay, modern medicine has me, no problem. And you push it off, you push it off. But when you really start creeping around to, you know, that sort of like moment in my life at 40, 
when I finally sat down, I'm so glad I made that appointment. If I hadn't started at that day, it was an 8% chance. If had I waited, I would not have miles. Just because of how old you were. And it wasn't just how old it was my own reproductive system. Some people in their twenties, like my best friend had an issue she needed to sort of check in on. My sister concurrently to this was diagnosed with ovarian cancer and had a hysterectomy. So my family, it was like this all of a sudden, an issue that was out of nowhere. It was Vagina like, are we going to have, yeah, are we going to be able to have, you know, children? And so my sister was going through heartbreak, and then I started my process, and I needed to remove a cyst, and then I had an IUI, and that nothing was working, and then I started um, a year of IVF treatments, which are very aggressive and intense. It's, you know, shots three I times a that. day. I saw that. I the bruises I mean, on your stomach. I, I was... And it's surgery. I, I had no you idea. Wonder. I mean, I have friends that are going through it, but they don't go into detail about what it takes. Yeah. So I had no idea you were going to the doctor every day and mm-hmm. all of this. And, and, and you have retrieval surgeries and like, it's just a lot. It wears on you. And sometimes you don't know how much to share because you don't want to be talking, you know. So right. I think the point of all of this and really talking about my story, which I don't want to bore you if you're interested. No, it's I out. Am. No, Absolutely. no, I'm oh, saying to oh, other I, women. Oh, I'm, like, I'm interested, <laughs> um, obviously. I'm happy to share away, but what the bigger point for me is lending my voice to this is so that not only girls our age talk about this, right. but if you can talk about it and desensitize the topic so that 30-year-old girls and 20-year-old girls, right. they have time to check into this. They know you know, how to... But they, they need can, to know they need to do that. Yes. And I think that we have to start by desensitizing the topic and understanding things like it's not just women. Males have infertility, too. It's two people that it takes to make a baby. And I think a lot of times there's this unfair burden for women to think I'm a failure. It's not working. You know, he needs to get checked. And that's a big taboo topic, too. And I'm really proud of teaming up with the ASRM, the um, Resolve, which is a national infertility um, organization and Faring Pharmaceuticals because these resources are at the front line of defense and they have put together myfertilityfacts.com and it's a credible resource because I felt privileged to have access to a fertility Right, doctor. of course, because not everyone can afford no, it. Or just who do you go to well. because right. your general physician may not know. Right, of but course. going to myfertilityfacts.com it's free. You can at least figure out what's the next step. You can try an interactive quiz to see if you're on the same page but the biggest takeaway is if you are planning away right now, don't just focus on only your professional path. Think about your right. personal goals too. Because Sweet. I'm a big believer in being independent. I've busted my butt to like yeah, build my own sort of business. And I, I really wish I would have put me on the list. We don't put ourselves on the list. And I think that we shouldn't also be embarrassed to tell our you know, friends like, oh, I do want a baby because it's almost not cool at a certain point and in your right life. Right now, because I think there's this whole woman power thing, and it's great. But you know, a lot of my friends are so driven by their career, and my friend Mark and I were having this conversation the other day about, you know, we have to think like thirty after thirty five. It's a there's a lot more. Um, you can have a lot more problems getting pregnant, but 35 is kind of when you're hitting your career. And for my friends are hitting like the the major highs in their career. So is it like it's career or baby? Like how do you balance that? And you have to. That's such a great, you know, word balance because at 35, I myself as well felt like even when I met my husband around the age, I thought, oh my gosh, I've worked my butt off to get these opportunities. And now here the opportunities are, but I felt 
like a fraud if I was going to start taking time off to worry about dating. Right, of course. And the reality is, you are you know, you need to have a full life. And balance is the key word. And I don't think you're ever going to find that magical balancing point. It's an act. You have is, to right. you have to really focus on, you know, being sort of educated and independent and, and have your own footing in life. But at the same time, I don't think it's bad to say that you want to partner up with somebody and build a life together. No, it's like pieces of a puzzle. Mm-hmm. And they all have to, they all fit together to make you whole in the end, but you have to put yourself out in different areas where yeah. it's romance, it's being a parent, it's career. I mean, and I think a lot of people get lost once they become a mother. And I know this happened to me because I felt like, okay, it's not about me anymore. It's only about my children. And it, like days would go by, I wouldn't take a shower just because it was about the kids. Yeah. And I lost myself. And I feel like I, the balance, you know, the balancing act, I didn't do it. I was all in like mom was spit up on me, not cute. And my friends that I say get to go to work when they have a baby, I, I envied them. I'm like, yeah. you get to go? You get to go out of the but house? But the grass is always greener, I you know. know because true, but there has to be a balance of all of it. The, the funny thing, you saying that, here I am right now in Los Angeles. I live in New York. Miles is in New York. Oh, I'm so lucky that my husband and I have a nanny helping for this trip. And I... I'm feeling horrible that You're I'm crying. not with him. So we're like complete opposite well, yeah, ends of the spectrum. Cut the cord. You know it what is. I mean? It's it's it's, it's a difficult. balancing act. I mean, and you're it never is. you're never going to. I feel like have. 24 7 free ride of like I've per- I'm perfect I oh, figured this it's out the perfect the, per- the people that say they're perfect and the perfect moms I call them professional moms are the crazy ones behind those doors <laughs> I'm like there's something wrong with that person because nothing is this easy and you know they look great all the time and they act great and they're at PTA and I'm like that is a fraud right there <laughs> and like, it's, it's not tough. you also hit on another thing that I'm also personally going through it's really hard you know I gained weight through the IVF and pregnancy was not kind to me nope. I am a fertility doll with huge boobs and like belly and hips and um, it's been tough you know I'm exhausted after having the baby I launched my beauty brand Woosh on yeah. HSN in October congratulations by the way thank you but that was two months after I gave birth and right. so I'm, you know, recovering from a C-section and worried about, wait, I have to make sure that got QA approved and, you know, wait, what was the final name of that lip gloss and (laughs) figuring out how to fly down to Florida, making sure I wasn't still swollen and my stitches were intact, but then also worrying about miles and, you know, the last person I put on my list was me. I just kept putting the Spanx on and slapping yeah. the makeup on. And then I stopped one day and I felt so unhappy. I'm like, I haven't stopped to take care of right. me. And it is so hard. It's so hard. We were just saying before we started talking here um, on the podcast that we only have makeup on because we're, we're working. On camera. I know because it's I mean, too hard. Otherwise, you're running around. I'm in my gym clothes. Like I drove to Calabasas. I'm driving to soccer. You know, you're 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 a super mom, you know? Yeah. And it's a, it's not about you anymore. But then you, I realized when I was walking in Target one day, I got a glimpse of myself in the mirror. I looked like death. And I'm like, where did the old Brandy go? Like, what? where is the girl that got ready? So then I made, I, I, I'm like, I'm going to start taking care of myself and taking time away and, and making it about me. A little bit, not completely, because you can't. No, and, and you, you know what you're your saying is, it's not looking in the mirror and saying, oh, I don't have makeup on or high heels on. It's more like, do I glow? Right. Am I or happy? Like, have I, did I get a chance this morning to kind of drink, you know, a glass of water before I left the house? Use the bathroom. Sometimes I'm running around, I haven't peed for two hours. <laughs> you just don't realize. You and, can. you know, as a mom, you put stuff like that last. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to sort of, 
you know, be open about that rather than trying to be superwoman. I know so many of my girlfriends are like, oh, I don't want to bother him with this. I'm just going to like lean in harder to try to do this. And I think that I'm happy my husband knows what's going Ask on. Ask for help. It's yeah. hard. You don't want to because you want to think you can do anything. But and it's probably the hardest thing to do as a woman and a mother and a career, you know, business person. Ask for help. Yeah. And that's I'm, the biggest thing I took away from my journey. You know, when I finally just said, hey. I wish it was a baby in my belly and on the show was happy to address the weight gain and be honest about the IVF. I was overwhelmed with so many women on Facebook who shared their personal story mm-hmm. and it's completely selfless. Took five minutes out of their day to send me a note to say, hey, you're awesome. This is going to work out. I'm so glad. Or now you've got me thinking. I mean, it's this is the kind of stuff that I just think if I could have hugged every single one of those women because I would have such a crap day and at the end of the night... I would read. I felt like a dork, but I was reading those Facebook messages, and that's what got me through another shot, another thing. And so, you know, community—the idea of that, especially among women and the support system—it's not something we. I I just want women to not throw that word around so lightly. And when I say I want to be a professional girlfriend, I really want women to honor what pro girl means, and that's really about supporting and not competing. Exactly, because we can teach girls to you know, go to school and not be bullies and worry about anorexia. But if we don't teach girls how to be kind to one another, we're screwed. I mean, we're trying to educate women in third world countries. Right. What? To, we need to, to get here exactly. so that they can, so they can be educated and grow up to then compete with each other. Yeah. I, I always say I like, know. you know, all the guys have the like bro code, guy code. Yeah. Where's the girl code? I know my girlfriends and I have it and we love each other. We help each other out. We do anything for one another, but there's a lot of girls that don't have girl code and that's scary to me. And it's those women out there that don't have any girlfriends. And I feel bad for them, but that is a woman I do. I probably don't want in my life because I'm scared of. I was having this conversation yesterday. All my girlfriends came over and I have a great, I mean, it's like so many and I love them all. I have to kind of balance them in different rooms because sometimes they fight with each other. But we all love each other at the end of the day. There's going to be drama. There's going to be what it is. But we all bring each other up. And, you know, when one of them is struggling with an eating disorder, we all talk about it. It's like, listen, we hear you in the bathroom after this. Like, we need to talk about it. And I think that this, too, with you starting the conversation about IVF, it's not something that people talk about. It's like one of those taboo subjects, you know, Mm -hmm. a lot. And also, like, just telling people to go get your annual exam as a woman and make sure just that everything's in check. And, Mm -hmm. you know, your sister with ovarian cancer and all of that. That's, I mean, we have to be aware of our bodies. And I think that's mm-hmm. the number one takeaway. Like, you have to know you. And don't, well, just, let's don't face be afraid it. to I figure mean, it out. <laughs> talking about lady parts and yeah. menstrual cycles hasn't traditionally been sexy. No. And it doesn't come off as cool. So to really say, hey, you have to kind of break that taboo, you know, crust on top and start not necessarily trying to make your cycle sexy, (laughs) but at least among your girlfriends at the very least and your family members to be able to kind of openly talk about, you know, reproductive medicine. Being smart is cool. And I think that, you know, like you were talking about with your girlfriends who have other issues, you know, the way to get your power back is by being vulnerable. Yeah. By putting it out there, you take the power away from other people and pull it back. And that's what I did. And for me to share and say, hey, I am 15 pounds overweight and I am going through this really hard time and I don't know what's going to happen. I may miscarriage. I may not ever get pregnant. I don't know what's going on. I've just taken that power back by 
being vulnerable right. and letting people know I know that this is all scary and I'm fine with that. And then other people really can't make you feel insecure right. about that. Exactly. You could have introverted and you know gone into a deep depression. Social media, social media is really not social. For the most part, I mean, well, there's good and bad to it. And I think that if you focus on the support that's out there, because I actually had such a positive experience with social media, because because you put yourself out there. Yeah, because think about it's like think about the alternative path. Somebody says, basically, are you fat or are you pregnant? They're asking me that question. I could have been pissed off and answered some, you know, snarky email back like, oh, thanks for noticing. Blah, blah, blah. Right. But instead, you turn that moment into an opportunity to educate. And you're like, hey, I wish it was a baby. And thank you. I'm completely flattered because let's face it, I'm putting myself out there every week on TV. Of course, I want people to notice me. I mean, of course, you're working really hard to put makeup on and spanks and you put heels on. And so I'm like, hey, it's me. (laughs) So then I'm going to get mad that somebody's going to ask me about like, you know, my belly. I mean, I take it with a badge of honor. I felt lucky to be able to do those treatments. I was really fortunate. My husband had insurance through his company. So insurance does cover these treatments? Not not all the time. I was so lucky, so lucky, because I don't know if I could have afforded, you know, the treatments without that help. And by talking about this, it's going to make it a topic that HR departments might start hearing about more. And my goal is for not only for there to be awareness so that the conversation starts sooner, which gives you time that you can't ever buy, but then HR departments to start having personal connections. Maybe when somebody is negotiating with an insurance company, they may have personally had an experience and they'll ask for that to be part of the employee package. And this is how it starts. I mean, we we, we didn't think about a lot of things years ago that we now get covered, and that's because right. we as a community and as a sisterhood have to really support each other. And, you know, I think it's really important for moms, grandmothers, granddaughters to really talk about family history. You have to arm yourself with information as a woman. You know, has have other women in my family had trouble with Knowledge infertility? Yes, because you can then tell your doctor what you know. And you can't take for granted that even at 25 you're going to be fertile myrtle. I mean... I was talking to Tammy, who helped put my hair in a ponytail today. Which <laughs> you have great sounds, hair, by the way. <laughs> thank you. But um, I was really lucky to have some help today because we're you know moving on to to do a couple other press ops to get this message out. And she shared how lucky she was to have the opportunity in her 30s at 31 to freeze her eggs. And what was shocking to me, and this is all I just want to clarify this. This is her individual story, and right. this is not the same for everyone. But in juxtaposition to my story. At 31, she had 24 eggs retrieved. And I, at 40, after a year and five rounds of IVF, five times her, I had one. Oh, my word. And so... Oh, I just got the chills. Just to put it in perspective, when I right. say I had less than an 8% chance of having miles, I every day, believe me, say my prayers and talking right now, I hope if you're listening, you know that this is part of me paying it forward. Yeah. I just want to know, let everyone know that's going through this. I was really lucky to get this gift because most people don't yeah. fare on that side of the percentage. And it will be a lifelong, you know, dedication of mine to continue to let women know they should talk about this and ask about it. And I was always the the girl cheering on to like, go to college, work hard, don't rely on a man, you right, know, exactly. your penis and my vagina is not a wire transfer <laughs> and, you know, all these crazy right, things. No. But I'm here to also tell you, you know, Balance. you can start asking questions now and you know, really proud of this organic campaign because I was at a gala for Resolve, the National Infertility Association, and really flattered to be honored with uh, an award. 
um, and helping to get the message out. But they had different um, people at this gala in New York in this room that were like brain trusts. And I couldn't believe all of these amazing doctors, like someone who had basically been the father of IVF. And I felt so privileged to be able to walk up to this person in the room. And we all kind of started talking about how can we take this message and open the doors up for right. access. And so it was all about putting this myfertilityfacts.com together and along with the American Society of Reproductive Medicine and Faring Pharmaceuticals, you know, they're putting their money where their mouths are. They're really saying, "Hey, we want to make this information available to everyone because you may not know where to start." Right. And this is such an awesome thing to be part of. And when my professional life can line up with my personal goals, this is awesome. Like, I just want girls to take advantage of it because this wasn't around a year oh, yeah, ago or exactly. two. Exactly. And people weren't talking about it. Yeah. And like you said, you don't want to get misinformation because that's when it's scary. Yeah. And so to have this website, that's really amazing, you know, that it's growing up and it's probably going to help a lot of people. I hope so. I, I mean, mean, I hope we could like do an annual um, infer- national awareness um, of infertility, a national infertility awareness week to do the NIA. AW party where we like make it fun. It has to be sexy. It's got to be cool. People have to know that it's awesome to have kids. You shouldn't look down on it when you're trying to build your career and you shouldn't look down at career women when you're trying to have babies. You really got to support everyone and just kind of know that, you know, timing is everything. You'll kind of focus on one thing at a time in your life, but don't forget the fringe. Right. Girls rule the world. We do. We kind of do, but on a different note. So Kathy Lee and Hoda. Yeah. You have to pick one to babysit Miles. <laughs> Who would you pick? Oh my gosh. Well, for two different, I mean, it, that's really hard. They're kind to. of like, they're the perfect woman together. Right. That's kind of the thing. So to separate them, like. But they drink in the morning. I mean, Miles. Yeah, I mean, who doesn't? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could. Hey guys, I'm going to school. That would not be good. You know, hey, when you wake up, like, I remember when I first hung out with Kathy, it was like, she wakes up at four o'clock in the morning by 11 o'clock her, when the show's over. It's evening. lunch. Yeah. <laughs> it's a white wine spritzer. I mean, she doses it with some seltzer. So it's a little, you know, halved. But, um. I don't know. You know, Hoda, most people wouldn't believe like she is, she is so obsessed with her nieces. She is such a great, um, so you pick Hoda. Like, well, no, I mean, <laughs> no, but I'm saying like for different reasons, like Hoda would be who Miles, she would take him to the parade. She'd have dance parties in her living room. I knew you were not going to pick. But then Kathy is going to like, you know, have his christening. And, like, right. You know, it, she, she'd like feed him like pasta and just, <laughs> I don't know. They're I think both we're going amazing. With Hoda. I mean, just, I bet Hoda, I bet my method both are both awesome. I don't um, know if I could choose. They're the perfect woman together. And I'm not being PC. I'm really being like you serious. Are. But it's okay. I mean, you. I mean, it's okay. Probably Hoda, I guess. You talked about vagina and penis, so we're giving you a pass. We're okay. Not that okay. PC. <laughs> yeah. um, and you, just to go over, I, I found it really interesting that you were you worked at a rape crisis center yeah. and then you were getting your master's in like <laughs> many people don't know this you know they kind of scratch their heads and they go you were a rape crisis counselor and now you're the style editor yeah. for the no Today i was show. like wait this isn't the right person yeah. i'm about look a long time ago i like many young girls looked to my boyfriend or my dad for approval i i you know this is like something unfortunately that happens guys you know they're really lucky they have teams and it's like there's no i in team and they have right. coaches and mentors in high school girls are kind of left for best hair most popular (laughs) and so therefore you're kind of like hoping that this boyfriend makes you feel loved or your dad gives you that approval and unfortunately you know that wasn't the right place and then I found myself later on you know 
trying to solve my own issues by becoming a major, well, it's a very long story. I ended up at University of Idaho. Yeah, you, even were, getting, though, you were like getting your master's in marriage and family. And, so and I lived in LA. Like, I lived <laughs> in LA, had a boyfriend here who, for a football um, opportunity, went to University of Idaho. And while we were up there, they didn't have a media major. I wanted to be a sports broadcaster, believe it or not. So I found myself in the psychology department. And then that was a relationship that unfortunately was physically and emotionally abusive. And when I I left there. I was really fortunate to get out of that uh, situation. I was back in Los Angeles and wanted to save the world. Like at 20, I thought, oh my gosh, I figured it out. I'm going to help everyone because (laughs) I am now smart. Right. Um, Even after, you know, such a traumatic experience and wanting with the biggest part of my heart to do that, I... You know, found myself at working at um, rape crisis um, facility in the Valley. Also, you know, women's shelters. And while there and trying to fulfill part of my master's degree, I had friends that were coming up in Hollywood, like Fergie and Justin Timberlake and other people around me. And I was disappearing like Cinderella <laughs> to go right. to school. Um, they were all at a magazine shoot one day for a teen magazine. And it was a spread of Britney Spears that said, are her boobs real or fake? And I looked at the guys like, what do you think of our new magazine? And I said, I would give anything to tell these girls that, you know, confidence is sexy, not a boob job. Yeah, who cares? And I so mean, they said, well, why don't you write something? And here I was thinking, really? And at the time I realized, oh my gosh, these girls are scraping up their lunch money for these teen magazines. And yeah. here I was also, happened to be dating this guy who, when I first met him, it wasn't huge, but he was a member of NSYNC now. And, who? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, their band blew up and here I was watching girls around the country in droves, thousands of girls screaming their head off, just like pouring their hearts out to these boys. And I thought... We have to reach these girls (laughs) with a better message. And so that's where I started. And it was still today come full circle. You know, The Power of Style is the name of my book. And in the book, there were two parts. Part one, which is about the inside. And part two, the outside. Because the outside has to match what's going on in the inside. Otherwise, it doesn't matter. I could put you in an amazing designer outfit from head to toe. But if I can't pull your head out of your ass, you aren't going anywhere. You're still going to walk in the room with your shoulders sunken and not think you're great. And you need to be a peacock. You can do that in a 99-cent dress. And I think when I went out to these publishers with that book and I finally had a little leverage to print a book, I said, I'm not doing it without part one because we kept getting the offer for just part two. But finally, we found Harper One and they said, we want to put the book out. And it was really important for me as a full circle moment from this whole starting as a rape crisis therapist and now working in fashion and beauty this was the most perfect medium for me to be in because there was such a superficial focus of everything on the outside, then style, the true definition is self-expression, which is psychology. So if you're really trying to be stylish, you want people to know who you are with what you're wearing, and that should be this layer of language you wear. So it it was perfect sense. It does say, I mean, you've kind of hit on everything feminine. (laughs) Like the pie is now complete Yeah, and you're doing something that you love, but you're also changing the conversation. And I mean, like, yes, fashion and beauty and all that. It's great. Well, no, and I don't understand. I didn't grow up, you know, at, you know, in the hallways of Vogue. I am not the coolest girl on earth. I don't hang out with Karl Lagerfeld. My wardrobe comes from the mall like everyone else. I love women. I wish yeah. I was gay at times in my life. I do that all the time. I have had such troubles, but I have found the most amazing man. I have this great, great baby. 
And if I can be anything um, other than support for women, I hope young girls realize that you can be smart and sexy, that you can be powerful, but also vulnerable, and that you should ask questions and not be afraid of being nice to that girl who may not be nice to you because she's just probably trying to protect herself. Right. I think often, you know, we say things like, oh, I don't want to deal with her. Or, you know, we just saw somebody downstairs in your courtyard walking into the cafe. <laughs> she had legs and a booty for days. And it was this sheer see-through t-shirt. And I was like, go girl. Because yeah, if I looked like it. that, I would never wear Spanx. And exactly. I was like, go for it all the time. And I think that women can tend to let their own jealousy kind right. of feed into thinking that the grass is greener. But my favorite quote of all time is, when the grass is greener, you need to water your own. Right. I, I, yeah, sorry. Just, that's just what you need to do. Water your own. When you go to the gym and you feel good about your life, you're going to see somebody else in booty shorts and be like, yeah, no, good for it, you. I know how hard that is. I Instead of being miserable with not doing something for yourself. I feel like there's so much judgment out there. I mean, I, I, I've had two kids. I'm 43. It is what it is. I'm very proud of my body. I work really hard for it. I'll post something. I have teeny tiny bathing suits. It's just what I do. <laughs> um, I'll post something on social media and people are like, eat a sandwich. I mean, Hate beyond like no one says that like go oh you good for you you're 43 you've had two kids and you're you're still keeping it together I most of what I get is put some clothes on or eat a sandwich or why you're a mom why are you wearing bathing um, I guess as a mom we're not allowed to wear bathing suits I guess that's just <laughs> what it is is that the rule like it's so you're a mother but you're still a woman and you're still mm-hmm. allowed to be a sexual being and to be a business I mean they're so just because. You do or don't have kids or, you know, doesn't make you not a woman. And once you reach 40 or you're not allowed to be sexy anymore, it's just, uh, it's, it's so misguided. And I get so frustrated because my girlfriends and I, we're we're all like, let's go to the beach because we have like two good years left. Well, the thing (laughs) that I love about people who are in your situation is that you can focus on the positive. You're going to have messages like that, but you're also going to have messages that tell you how awesome it is that you are unfiltered and that you are, you know, going to stick your neck out and say stuff. And you, you kind of need to, it's the, the same analogy, you know, for those people who are, you know, in this mode where they're kind of stuck in the hate mode, I guess. And that's where it's like, they need to water their own grass so they, they can feel be better. I say haters need hug. <laughs> haters need a hug. They really do. But there's, there's also the, uh, the responsibility on your, you know, our end to water the seeds that are, you know, that are good. So it's like, you know, for all those people giving you the positive feedback, it's like focusing on that will make that grow. Right. And so it's really everything in life about what we focus on. And so if you focus on something that you covet and you want and you're not doing anything about it for yourself, then that's sad. You yeah. really need to kind of get, ask for somebody to cheer you on. Tell them, you know, reach out to your friend or someone, you know, online that's in a support group. I mean, today, social media is positive in the fact that it offers you so much support. We didn't have that. Growing up, right. if you weren't the cool kid and you didn't have friends, you hung out by yourself at yeah, school. Yeah, that's it. You didn't, you didn't you have an opportunity anyone. to connect. right. So I think, you know, today it's about focusing on the positive, supporting other women. Don't compete. It only holds you back. And, you know, forgiveness is a gift you give yourself. You know, you can beat yourself up every day, but if you can just let go of not only the stuff you blame yourself for, but the stuff you hold against others, you can be so much happier. You should be president. (laughs) <laughs> I, I, think, I, I mean, need to I tell myself I'm, this every seriously, day. Seriously, I mean, no. everything that comes out of your mouth is perfect. 
Ugh, I'm trying not to cuss for you today. It's very difficult for me, but I'm like, I'm going to try to be proper. Well, Tell you know, us. the secret in my office is that I'm quite the potty mouth. And really? before we walked in here, Maggie is like, remember, look at her. She's like, remember, you are Miles's mother. You're on the Today yes. Show. You cannot be unfiltered with Brandy. That's why I was like, wait, I have to like try to not cuss and be proper. I like making notes, but you're awesome. I think oh, you're amazing. Tell thanks. us really quick, because um, your people are telling all of your 20,000 people that are beautiful and strong women are saying that you have to go, but tell us about the website. Yes, please. One more I time. I'm so excited. Um, MyFertilityFacts.com is a resource for you if you're going through this, but even if you're not directly you know, being touched by infertility or thinking about a baby right now, there's great information on there for you to know to pass on to friends. Because so often, like you said, you get married and the next thing people ask you is, you know, hey, when are you, having a baby? When you having a baby? Every time. <laughs> and you may not know that person's going through a really rough right. spot. And so it gives you great advice on there, like just validate their feelings. Say, hey, I'm really sorry to hear this sounds rough. And yeah. that's all they need. Yeah. So you kind of know what to say. Um, but in general, myfertilityfacts.com, it's an awesome campaign. Um, no more start asking. And, you know, again, this is a brain trust of talented, award-winning doctors and organizations getting together to offer you free access to information. So take advantage. All right. So do it, people. Do it. Well, thank you so much for being oh, here and have an amazing day me. in LA. I hope you get sun. You have it a little bit right now. Got I think it's going to rain. Yeah. But oh, well, it was really it nice to. to sit down and talk. Thanks. All right. Well, have a good day. We'll be back. Bye. -bye. Oh my God. I mean, I have to say Bobby Thomas is my new best friend. I, I, I love, she is such an eloquent speaker. I really didn't even need to be here. You really didn't. <laughs> I didn't. You didn't. But I'm glad I was. And she is a girl's girl. And you can tell she gave me her cell phone number. That is some trust. Maybe not a good idea. I was just going to say. <laughs> but it was awesome to have her here. And I think that she's bringing a conversation that needs to be brought. Thank you so much, Bobby Thomas, for being here. Good luck with Miles. Boys are the best in the whole world. Get my Chardonnay because it makes you a better parent. Duh. Um, it's called Unfiltered Blonde. And it's really, really yummy. And like I said, better parent, right? Right. For sure. All right. So thank you. We'll be back. Actually, we won't be back. This is, the, this is it. I'll be back. She won't. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Brandy Glanville Unfiltered. Download new episodes at podcastone.com. That's podcastone.com.